we can, let's open up our Bible to Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 22 and verse 23. It says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. I want to preach on uh, divine clarity, and, and I want to pray, and I want to pray over this congregation, and um, whether I preach to try to lay a burden on you, I don't necessarily think that's that's why I came, but um, I believe the Lord did give me a word uh, to, to cause, to bring you to a place of understanding and responsibility, uh, and, and to respond in prayer oftentimes. We, we don't necessarily have to wait for a burden to pray, um, but it's just something that, that we should do. It's just something that, that we should get ourselves involved in. I think a lot of times we, we wait for that impulse. We wait for that moment of inspiration to step into prayer. Uh, but through the scriptures, I, I'd like to show you and pray that God would give you that understanding of that responsibility that we have and the power that we have with God through prayer. If we can, lay your Bible to, to, on your pew, on your chair, and let's bind together in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to be here in this Sunday evening. Lord, thank you, God, for your presence. God, we've come here to worship you, Jesus. We've come here to seek you, God. We've come here, God, to honor you, Jesus. We've come here, God, to spend time in your presence, Lord. We have spent countless hours and days out in the world, in our jobs, in our schools, with our friends, Lord. But tonight, we've come to spend time with you, Lord. We've come to lay our agenda aside. We've come to lay our preferences aside, God. And I've come to present myself to you, God. I've come to present my life as a living sacrifice to you, God. I've come to commune with your spirit, Lord. I've come to fellowship in your presence, God. My soul, God, is deprived of your presence every day that I go out without thinking about you, Lord. But this evening, God, I present my soul to you, Jesus. I lay aside my will. I lay aside my mind. I lay aside my flesh, God. And I pray that I would enter in purity into your presence, God. That my soul may see a glimpse of your glory, God. That my soul may see a glimpse of your holiness, God. That I may leave transformed, God, in the presence, God, of you, Lord. I pray that my soul would leave changed. Just for a moment, church, why don't you pray in the Holy Ghost?
Aresanele kiasene aresane. Esane rekiurosa lanane kiasataye. Why don't you allow the Spirit of God to bear witness in your spirit that you are a son of God, that you are a daughter of God? Why don't you let His Spirit bear witness in you? Esanarie kasataye. so good to be in the presence of God. You can take your seats. In John chapter 16, there is a verse in, in, in verse 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send unto you him, the comforter speaking, and when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Uh, you, you could put yourself in the shoes of the apostles, of these disciples that are hearing the words of Jesus Christ in this moment. Here they are. They've been spending three years with him. Take, take a moment and think three years prior to this moment. They were nothing but fishermen. They didn't have any status amongst the Hebrews and the Jewish community. Community. They were fishermen. Some people preach and teach that they were businessmen. They did well. That could be the case, but they weren't Pharisees. They weren't Sadducees. They weren't elders in their community. They had no esteem in their own community. And they were Jews, for that matter, amongst a Roman Empire that saw Jews as something less than their civilization, than their own nation and their own community. And here they were at this place hearing Jesus Christ telling them for three years in showing them and teaching them biblical principles principles of the kingdom of God that they would turn this world upside down that they would reach the world through the gospel and he did not just show them through word but he showed them through demonstration he would heal the sick he would do miracles he would show them left and right signs and wonders of what they could do he would look at them in the eyes and he, they would say to him that greater works you will do. But here they are standing before their master, hearing the words that I am going to leave, that I am going to depart. And you can imagine at the point where they need their commander in chief where they need the man who has won all the battles, where they need the man who could debate the Pharisees and the Sadducees, where they need him in the moment that he's going to commission them. The general steps back and tells the soldiers, you are on your own. Could you imagine that? And here they are hearing him Speaking about this comforter, the Holy Ghost, that would come 
this Holy Ghost that would reprove men of their sins, that would help them and partner with them in the preaching of the Word of God. And perhaps they didn't understand the magnitude and the help that they were going to be receiving in this moment till the day of Pentecost came. In the day of Pentecost, it began with prayer. They sought God. God filled them with the Holy Ghost. You know the story. People thought they were drunk. And Peter, for the first time, began to operate alongside the Holy Ghost. For the first time, he felt the Holy Ghost moving through him. And he stood up and said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. He goes on to proclaim the gospel. He goes on to reprove men of their sins. He begins through the Holy Ghost to corner men from the very thing that they did. And by the time the message was over, they were there with their hands open. They were there guilty of their sins that with their own hands they crucified the Master. They crucified the one that prophesied of the Holy Ghost. They crucified the very one that would save them of their sins. And the words that came out of their that their mouths in that moment what shall we do brethren for they felt pricked in their hearts the holy ghost gave peter the unction to say the words there the holy ghost was suggesting to peter the words that he ought to say at the same time the holy ghost was convincing the men that were hearing that these men are not drunk as you suppose and at the same time the holy ghost was convicting these men that you are the one that crucified jesus christ but the holy ghost did not leave them just under conviction but the holy ghost came in and filled them with His Spirit to empower them. And here we have the Comforter. And this is what I was thinking when I was reading John 16. When it says that the Holy Ghost will come to reprove men of their sins of of righteousness and of judgment. How is it that we, having such a powerful partner in the mission field, how is it that there are still men and women that do not feel conviction? That do not see righteousness. That do not believe in the judgment. Having the Holy Ghost moving amongst us. How is it that men still cannot see? With the working of God's Spirit, how is it? How is it that there are men and women that still cannot see? You know, I remember just this last year, I went to uh, the optometrist for the very first time in my life. <laughs> and, uh, and I found out uh, that I have astigmatism. And I also learned what that meant. <laughs> Anybody here have astigmatism? Praise God, I'm not the only one with that. Um, and for those of you, I'm sure many of you have 
you know, funny thing, grew up always in a home missions home, so we never had health insurance. <laughs> so we never went to the doctor like that. Um, but praise God, you know. Uh, so, you know, you're just sitting there and, 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 you know, you don't think your eyesight is that bad, right? Until, until he tells you to stand about 20 feet away from that wall. And you're just sitting there, and he's like, could you read that top line? And it's like, or that one, I could, it's E, you know, it's usually E. That's kind of what I've noticed. So you just kind of shoot from the hip, you know. <laughs> it's usually E. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Do we have any optometrists here? <laughs> I need a drink of water. <laughs> Give me you guys a cheat code. <laughs> So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to read there, you know, all the little signs and, you know, he's just there taking notes and then he pulls out that big machine and, you know, they start switching lens and they're like, could he see, could he see? And I'm like, no, no, you know, it's worse. And they finally switch it to the right one. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, you know, I've been living life like this, you know, (laughs) you don't realize it. It's like, man, wow, I have, I have somehow just made it through life like this and and, you know, there, you could try to argue in that moment that, you know, to supplement being able to see those letters clearly, all you need is uh, a closer encounter, you know. And, and sometimes just keep that in mind, even with God. You know, that's why a lot of people need that close encounter with Him, to, to see themselves for who they really are. But that still doesn't speak any less of the condition of our souls. And, and maybe I'm not speaking to anyone here, but this is where the understanding, the knowledge comes in and where we apply the world may, yeah, you know, they, they might need a close encounter with God, but that doesn't speak any less of their current condition. That without, without a change of lens, without an external force helping them see clearly, they cannot see. They cannot see. And, and my, my question is, what causes a soul, because it's not our literal sight, what causes a soul to not see clearly? We read in Matthew uh, 6.22, The light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of life. But if your eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you be dark, how great, is that darkness. The amplified version says, if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. If your eye is unsound, your body will be full of darkness. And if then the very light in you is darkened, how dense is that darkness? How dense is that darkness. New Living Translation, your eye is the lamp that provides light to your body. When your eye is healthy, when your eye is healthy, do you know when, when you're in an unhealthy state, when you get hit in the head, often what happens if you've ever gotten in a car accident, you start to see double vision for a moment. That's why the Bible says that if your eye is single, if it's looking at one thing, then light will shine inside of you. 
there's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, uh, how, how does it go? Help me out. Bible quiz master, help me out. It says in James chapter 4, I believe, or chapter 1, it talks about a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here's the thing about having a double vision, my friend. When you're constantly looking at darkness and looking at light, you're going to be unstable in... And I believe the verse right before that says, Let not a man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all. You know what the biggest problem of having double vision, living, you know, it's it's cliche, the double life. But having one eye looking towards darkness and the other eye trying to focus on the light, you can't receive much from God. Don't let a man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. My question is, what causes a soul to be filled with darkness? And I have to, I have to think that maybe it's not just what they are looking at. Maybe it's not just them individually. But maybe it is a reflection of the world that they live in. Maybe it is a reflection of the things that they are surrounding themselves in because we're not talking just about the literal eye that if I look at a light bulb my my soul's going to be filled with light or if I turn off the light and I'm in darkness my soul's going to be no we're not talking about that we're talking about a spiritual light what are you paying attention to but to the world maybe their inner darkness is a reflection of the atmosphere that they're living in what what do i mean by that ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and you hath he quickened who were this is talking about what we once were but know where he pulled us from who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time passed according to the course of this world, <laughs> according to the prince of the power of the air. I love how it says it in the New Living Translation. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you, need, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world obeying the devil the commander of the powers in the unseen world he is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey god if you could help me with second corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 note what the word says but if our gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost second corinthians 4 verse 3 and if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. My, my, my conclusion, my, my train of thought that maybe that inner darkness is a reflection of something happening in the spirit world that is causing a darkness inside of them inside of them and do we need we could talk about it 
men and women, they are deprived in their souls. Oh, if there's a time that we could plainly talk where there is no gray area, when we say there is a void, a dense darkness inside of them, that as much as they try, they just they can't make their way around anything. Where, where confusion just fills their soul. They can't make out what's right from wrong. They can't make out what's just and unjust. Forgive me. They can't define what a man and a woman is. A dense darkness. Oh, say it's dense. It's a dense darkness. I'm brought to Abraham and and Lot. His story came to mind. Abraham and Lot. I don't know. I, I noticed it today in chapters 18 and 19. They actually have very similar experiences as far as these divine beings drawing near to them. Abraham is standing there and, and just to give you the background, Abraham and Lot, they're, they're, they're both, you know, Abraham's the uncle and his nephew's Lot. They part ways because they have too many things. And how do they part ways? Abraham told Lot, you choose which side you want to go. And Lot looked into the plain of Jordan and he says that he noticed that it was well watered so he chose to go in that direction it's very interesting in the Bible it says he went to the plains of Jordan and then when he arrived at the plains of Jordan the Bible says that he dwelt in the cities in the plains of Jordan and then after that the Bible says that he pitched his tent towards Sodom so Sodom didn't happen in the beginning he didn't end up in Sodom The moment he left Abraham, it was something that happened progressively according to what he was looking at. It started with the plains of Jordan. It looks good. So he walked over there. And while he was there, he noticed there were cities. He walked into the cities. And it was time to pitch his tent. And he pitched it with the door looking straight at Sodom. But Abraham, he went to the land of Canaan. He didn't have much. He was over there. Genesis 18, a series of events happened. Very interesting. I didn't notice it till I was reading it today. But what happens, uh, many of you maybe have heard of the story that three men appear onto Abraham. He was standing there. The Bible says at at the door of his tent, right outside of his tent. You know what a tent is? It's it's not a house. It's nothing huge. It wasn't anything uh, extravagant. He was outside of his tent. Three men appeared. They were divine beings. Some people say one of them was the manifestation of the Lord. The other two were angels. I don't know, but they were divine beings and they're speaking on the behalf of the Lord. So here he sees these divine beings and immediately he bows down and he says, if it pleases you, come over here and let me feed you. Come dwell underneath. He doesn't even invite them to his house. He says, come dwell underneath this tree. You know? He didn't have much. (laughs) And the angels, the divine beings said, so be it. 
We'll, we'll do whatever you want us to do, Abraham. So they sat down. They had, they had some lunch. They had a meal. And then these divine beings start talking to Abraham. And know that the Lord is speaking through all of this. He starts talking. Imagine you invite three people that simply walk up to your doorstep. You invite them in. And all of a sudden, they're speaking into your life. They're speaking promises. They're speaking life. They're speaking prophecy into your life. And they're saying at this time, next year, as is the seasons of life, says the Bible, Sarah shall be with a child. Sarah laughs and then they ask him, is there anything too hard for the Lord, ma'am? Why are you laughing? Do you think this is too difficult? And after they have that little conversation, the Bible says that these three men, they stood up and they started walking towards Sodom as they were going to the next city. As they were going from the land of Canaan to the next location, God begins to say, shall I Reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do. Imagine having such a relationship with God that God reconsiders doing something simply because He hasn't let you know. And here He is, should, should I reveal this to Abraham. He, he's a just man. He's a father of many nations, the father of faith. And makes the decision, I'm going to reveal it to him. And he says, Abraham, I've heard the cry of Sodom, and their cry is great. Basically says, I'm about to go down to see if it is what it really is. And Abraham, there's going to come a destruction towards Sodom. And Abraham, who knows God, says, Hold up. You, you being a righteous God, would you really pour down judgment on the unjust in the same way that you would the just? Well, would you really pour down fire and brimstone on possibly a righteous man? And Abraham says, if there be 50 righteous in there, God, would, would you spare the city? They're having a conversation. A conversation, that's it. And God says, if Abraham, if there's 50, you know, they're like bargaining. <laughs> there be 50. If there's 50, I'll spare the city. If there be 45, 45, I'll spare the city. 30, they go down to 10, I believe. And then after that, the Bible says, after he had spoken with Abraham and communed with him, he departed. So there's... A moment where the presence of God came in. He gave himself to their to the presence of God. He served them. He worshipped them. He gave them of himself. God ministered to him. He interceded on behalf of his nephew. And before the time of intercession was over, there was still more time of worship and communion and fellowship between them. And then God departed. And the very next chapter, it starts off with saying, Lot was at the gate of Sodom. Oh, but you started at the plains of Jordan, the city's pitched Now he's at the gate of Sodom. And these two angels that departed to leave God and Abraham to themselves, they went on their journey down to Sodom. And the moment that they saw Lot, it says Lot also bowed down. He also told these men, why don't you come into my house? Oh, he had a house in Sodom. 
come into my house. And the most interesting thing, you know what these angels said? They said, no. We'll stay out here in the streets. And the Bible says that Lot pressed them. He continued to press on them to come into his house. And they conceded. They came into the house. They dined with Lot. And then all of a sudden, a series of events that if it happened in your house, you, you wouldn't believe it with your own eyes if you saw it in your neighbor's house. But then these men that, that were in Sodom began to knock on his door and said, those two men that you let in, why don't you let them out that we may know them? And Lot, in his, in his wisdom and, and in his courage, he opens the door, closes it behind him, and he starts telling them, no, you can't treat these guys like this but i've got a better idea i've got two daughters and he says you could do with them whatever is good in your sight they're full of darkness full of darkness they weren't thinking of anything pure and good no there is a dense darkness in sodom and all of a sudden, when he tells them, you can't have these two, but you can have my daughters, you know what these men begin to do? They begin to mock him. They begin to tell Lot, Lot, you came in here to sojourn in, in this city of Sodom. You came in as a visitor. Who are you to be a judge among us? They immediately started to question his authority. You didn't come in here to stay. You didn't come in here to take the minion. You came in here just to pass on through, and you have no authority authority in Sodom. Who are you to be a judge? A dense darkness was in Sodom. Lot is rescued by the angels. They pull him out. They close the door. And these angels begin to plead with Lot. Any of your family members want to make it out of here? Go tell them and, and we've got to make it out of here by tomorrow morning. And what this angelic visitation, we see, we see two things. We see Abraham was a man who had spiritual clarity. He knew he was able to see with absolute clarity. He knew who these men were. He knew what to do. He knew to worship them, to serve them. He listened to their word. He spoke with God, and when God told him his plan, he knew to step right into intercession and start talking to God because he knew God was a righteous God. And at the end of it, he began to fellowship and just commune with the presence of God. But we see Lot. Lot was a man that was living in darkness. Lot was a man that didn't understand how dense this darkness was. He underestimated the darkness that was in Sodom. He, he underestimated the darkness, how it would overtake his children. He underestimated the darkness and its density and how it would affect his soul. He, he didn't realize that because he was involved in entertaining this darkness, that when there is a divine visitation, the, the one that was visiting him didn't want fellowship with him because there is no fellowship between light and darkness. He didn't realize the density that this darkness, despite him escaping, the judgment it would still take his children he didn't, he didn't understand how dense this darkness was how dense is this darkness how dense is this darkness it's dense it's dense and we 
cannot underestimate its density. Abraham understood in that moment. Simply step in and stand in the gap. He knew judgment was coming. He's before God of mercy. And he knew God was true to his word. He said, God, there be 50. There just be 50. Will you spare? He started to have this conversation. You know, whether he had an immense burden or not, we don't know. It doesn't say necessarily. But it does say that he stepped in. And he began to talk with God. Because he had this clarity in his spirit. He had this clarity in his soul. Where, where did this clarity come from? This clarity came from a life of constant obedience to God. Constant obedience to God. I understand this in Genesis 11, Joshua 24. Joshua 24, it talks about... Abraham's father he talks about your fathers, you know, all these people. Moses, he goes back to Abraham and he names Terah. He says, Abraham's father. And he says, he dwelt in the land of, of Ur of the Chaldees. And he says, they worshiped idols there. There is a dense darkness there. And you have to understand that, that Abraham possibly had a lot of encounters with these idols. He, he probably saw them throughout his childhood. But one moment he, he heard something else. He heard the voice of God that began to deal with him. Abraham, I need you to leave your country. Leave your father's house. Leave that land where you're in. Leave that dense darkness where you're in. And Abraham began to yield a little by a little. He, he kept obeying with every single step until he got to the place where he he had complete spiritual clarity. He knew Sodom was dangerous. He knew there was nothing good over there. But he also knew to walk by faith and not by sight. That's what Abraham learned. He grew up in a household possibly with idols. The word of God says that hearing comes by, by faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Here's the thing. Sometimes we cannot trust what we see. We cannot make correct judgments based off of what we see but if we could just trust the word of God if we could trust what we hear we could walk out of the darkness simply by simply by following the voice of God I can't imagine Abraham amongst those idols and God began to speak to him Abraham I need you to leave that place oh I've served these idols they've got eyes but they've never seen me they've got ears but they've never heard me I'm gonna go ahead and trust his voice I need you to leave I'm gonna take a step out I need you to step out of your father's house I'm gonna take another step Step by step by step by step, leaving that darkness. <laughs> We've all been there. The Bible says that the God of this world has blinded their minds so that they might not believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, whose light will shine in you. We've all been there. Where, and I grew up in church, where you're, you're there, just service after service. And you just, Brother Richie, it just doesn't make sense. Why do I have to repent? It just doesn't make sense. What, what does water baptism do for me? 
It just doesn't make sense. And if you've taught Bible studies, you've been there too. You teach, you teach, you teach, you teach. And they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Sometimes it could be weeks, months, years. But I'm sure all of us in this room can recall the moment that we were just there reading the word. We were just there listening to the preach. Oh, and that blindness just came off. And you saw the light for what it was. And you said out of nowhere, I've got to get baptized in Jesus' name. I've got to get filled with the Holy Ghost. My question always is, what, what, what was the difference? And they have such a hard time figuring it out. They can't put their finger on it. But you know what I believe the difference is. There was an Abraham that stood in the gap and prayed for those angels. Despite the density of Lot's darkness, he may not even know that there is an angel taking him by the hand that is guiding him out of harm's way. But through intercession, you would be astonished at the things God would do to bring people to a point of revelation, to bring people to a point of conversion, to bring... Here's the thing. When we pray, and I'm not trying to preach a burden on you, but when we pray, because it's our responsibility to stand in the gap, Ezekiel 32, he sought for a man to stand in the gap, to build a wall, to, to make up the hedge, as King James Version says it. And it says that he found that no man, he's looking for someone simply, he's not asking anyone. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me, and don't misinterpret what I'm, he's not asking you to take on the burden of intercession and wait for that burden to hit to start interceding for the lost. He simply said, I'm just looking for someone to stand. Someone just show up. You didn't tell him that person had to do anything. He just said, just stand. Build that wall. Fill in that gap that's in that wall. It's beautiful to see. It's beautiful to see when that glimpse of light begins to touch a soul. It's not a literal light. It's not a literal darkness. But it's the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. I, I, I remember, you know, in, in Memphis when we were over there, there's a young man named Joel such a pure heart, recently got married. They moved from Ecuador to, to the States, and they're in Memphis. And I remember the first service that we were there. I didn't even know his name. And 
And we just, you know, struck up a quick conversation during the worship service. We went over there, you know, prayed with him. He was just tears in his eyes. And, and he, he, he didn't grow up. His dad is an atheist. You know, he, didn't, he grew up under his dad, knows nothing about church, anything. All of it was new. Gets the Holy Ghost right then and there. Most beautiful thing. Most beautiful thing. And, and I remember shortly after that, shortly after that, I remember he, he, he contacts Holly and I and him and his wife, and, and he, he, they tell us that, you know, Joel's been having dreams. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm not, I'm not a dreamer. I'm like, and I'm not a, I don't interpret dreams either. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, you know, here we go. <laughs> There's always like an asterisk, you know, to, to whenever someone calls, eh, I got a dream, you know, it's like, oh man, you know. It's like, it's of God or you're just crazy, you know, it's, it's, there's like no middle ground. <laughs> so, um, and you know, he calls us up and, and we're just sitting in the car. And we were going to go out to get lunch and, you know, myself, my wife, and, and, and both of them, we're all in the car. And he's just talking to me. Keep in mind, he's, he's probably heard two sermons in his life. You know, so he doesn't know this Bible lingo or this church terminology. So he's doing his best to try and piece things together. And, and he's like... He's like, man, you know, I, I had a dream and I've had it for, for about like four nights in a row. And I've told my wife, I've woken up, I've told her about it every single time I've had it. And, and he said, the dream is just this. He says, I see, he tells me, he's like, I see you in the dream. And, and you walk up to me and you just hand me scrolls. And I asked, and he, he said, and I asked, what's this? And I told him it's the word of God. And he says he takes it and he just wakes up for four, about four or five nights. And he's just no idea about anything. And, and, I'm, and I understand this. I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord, you know. He doesn't even know what that means, you know. And, and I ask him this question. I'm like, Joel... Do you think, and I was careful with this because this could mean, this doesn't mean anything. If you didn't grow, you don't know what this means. You don't know, you just don't know what it means. And I asked him carefully, I said, Joel, do you feel like God is calling you? And in that moment, he couldn't explain it. Just tears started to roll down his face. And he's like, I think he is. I think he is. And, and man, we had a prayer meeting in that car. <laughs> we had a powerful, but, but you know what all of that was? That was a man who grew up in a dense darkness. Who all of a sudden in his soul saw the glimpse of light. It just, just a little bit of light. And he started to walk towards it. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized. And he just kept putting one foot in front of the other towards the light without realizing just how much darkness he was walking away. He couldn't explain it. He's never seen it before. But he said, I want it.
What he doesn't know is that he had, while he was in Ecuador, he had a mother-in-law that was there in Memphis that every single week, man, she was a faithful saint. Every single week, she'd say, I'm praying for my son-in-law. I'm praying for my son-in-law. Prayer has power. Prayer has power. And when it comes to the laws, don't, 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 don't misunderstand this. Preaching has great power. The preaching of the Word of God. If they're not here in this building, you pray, you pray, you prophesy. Whenever you get in close proximity of them, you start speaking. You start preaching. And you let that advocate, you let that Spirit of God flow through you to start piercing and convicting and pricking their hearts. But if, but if they're not inside of you, oh my friend, there is power. In prayer. If, if you cannot reach them, my friend, you could just find a corner and start speaking their name in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for Ray Ramos. I pray for Juan. I pray for Joel. You can start prophesying over them. If they're not willing to listen to you, treat it like a valley of dry bones. There has, doesn't have to be a fleshly ear to hear the words coming out of your mar, out of your mouth. Simply step out in faith and start speaking life into that valley. Start speaking life into that family member. Start speaking life into your children. In intercession, it's a lot easier to do when you feel the burden. But even when you don't feel the burden, it works. Even when you don't feel the burden, it works. Even if it isn't always filled with groanings that cannot be uttered, the Bible shows us that a simple conversation with God is enough for Him to move in your situation. I want to close with, it's in 2 Corinthians, and I'm, I'm closing with this, if I could get the piano player. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. Despite everything we have, the Bible interestingly says for now we see through a glass darkly or dimly but then face to face now i know in part but then shall i know even as also i am known so despite the revelation the understanding the clarity we have the bible still says we still see through a glass darkly but my friend, what we've seen has been enough. What we've seen from God has been enough to change our lives. Well, although there are certain limitations in our humanity that can't put A to Z together, that can't put the whole picture together, we have seen enough to put pieces together. I may not understand the full capacity of prayer but i know enough to yield to god and know that praying with him will always do more than anything i could do on my own don't ever let your uh, humanity discourage you in prayer don't ever let what you feel 
and how you feel discourage you when you pray. God didn't make us to feel burdens 24-7. To see the revelation of the Lord in everybody's life. To prophesy and not let one word, you know, drop to the ground. God didn't make us all like that. We have humanity in us. We have imperfections in us. But the Bible so beautifully crafts everything. He says, likewise, the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. But you know what it says right before that? It's a beautiful verse. And I pray it brings us hope and it brings us understanding. It says, likewise, the Spirit itself also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. When you yield to the presence of God, He makes up for what you don't know. He makes up for what you don't know to pray about. He makes up for what you can't know. He makes up for all the things that that we don't know about people's lives and their current situations. The Spirit of God makes up for it. In our minds, we, we might think, well, that person just needs to do A, B, and C, and, 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 and do this and that and that, and their life would be better. But my friend, while we see through a glass darkly, they're still blinded, and they can't see anything. And it's just not going to make sense to them as much as you explain it, as much as you break it up. It's not going to make sense to them. As hard as a blind man tries, he will not see. As much as they try, as much as they want to, understand that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. Without you, without the church, praying against that darkness, they have no hope. They have no hope. That family member of yours, that friend of yours, I know we've all got them. Man, you've, you've sat down across the table with them and you've told them like it is. And you've just told it to them straight. And it seems like they just go back into their addiction, back into their ways, back into their lifestyles unfazed by what you said that's the case try prayer try bringing it to God try bringing their name and and, and I'm not saying come up here again because it's it's like a different kind of message when you try to burden people I'm saying come up here with clarity with conviction in your soul that God honors intercession that God honors prayer If you are a righteous man, if you rely on God's righteousness, if you are an honest man, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is capable of doing much. When you come up to this altar, come up with a name and with clarity in your spirit that intercession works, that talking to God works. If we could all stand.
I want you just for a few moments, just think of that particular family member. Think of that friend. And if you've got that person on your heart, on your mind, I want you just to focus in your mind and turn your faith towards God. Just turn your faith towards God in absolute belief that God is able. That God is able to turn things around. If you've got someone on your mind, I want you to come up to this altar. I'm not trying to push a burden. I want you to talk to God. Talk to God for a few moments in your own words. Have a serious conversation with God. Have a thoughtful conversation with God. Truly think about what you're saying and what you're telling Him. God, are you not a righteous God? Are you not a righteous God? Lord, there are individuals in this place, God, that are in need of a miracle and are in need of your mercy. There are souls, God, that are in need of your salvation. Just for a few moments, we're going to pray. We're just going to talk to God. God, I pray that you'd anoint us, God, to pray the prayers that we need to pray, God. Pray that you'd give us the wisdom in this moment, God, to pray the prayers that we need to pray, Lord. Pray, God, that we would yield to your spirit, Lord, and begin to move into intercession, Lord, in absolute obedience and responsibility to your word. That's it, that's it, that's it. That's it. Lift up your voices a little more. Start speaking and praying with authority in the name of Jesus. Start speaking and praying with authority. In the name of Jesus, 
in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's a flow of God's Spirit. Oh, the Spirit of God is piercing through the Spirit of darkness. The Spirit of God is moving. Oh, Jesus. There's a witness of God's Spirit here tonight. There's a witness of God's Spirit. I want us to pray together in unity. And it's, I feel like the kingdom of God is moving forward as we pray. I feel like the kingdom is taking ground in some of your families. God can orchestrate things to start reaching those family members, those friends. And I feel like the kingdom of light is it's moving. Its forces are moving forward. I want us to lift up our hands. And I want us to pray together in unison, together in one spirit. And let's yield to God's kingdom that his kingdom may be established here. I want you to press in the Spirit. I want you to press in the Holy Ghost. If you've got the Holy Ghost, begin to pray in His Spirit. In Jesus' name, 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 in Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. 
Jesus. Jesus. He's in this place. He's in this place. Why don't you just close your eyes? There's a shift. Why don't you close your eyes and just fellowship with Him in this moment? Why don't you worship with the Lord? Why don't you just tell Him how much you love Him? God, I love you, Jesus. God, I worship you, Jesus. Just open your heart to God in this moment. And why don't we worship the Lord? Why don't you tell God how much you love Him? Why don't you commune with Him? Fellowship with Him?